is Heather Jackson, and you are listening to the Unstability Podcast. I'm here with my co-hosts, Odie Spinelli and Helena St. Tara. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the ethics and quotes of health insurance. Um, Fun and I stuff. To... <laughs> the ethics totally. of unethical things. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Um, so I just thought we'd start out with talking about like, well, I'm going to, I'm coming into this as like a licensed mental health counselor who does my own billing at my private practice. And then also as like a patient that is part of the horrifying U.S. healthcare system. I love how you called yourself a patient and not what they would call you a consumer. (laughs) I'm a consumer of healthcare. It's not that I need it to live. I'm opting right. into this. The ads finally won me over. <laughs> I saw someone getting treated for an illness on TV and I was like, well, that looks fine. Isn't Let that me what just... medication advertising is though? Really? Yeah. Yes. Um, how do you, okay. I am curious though about this topic. I actually, I hadn't really thought a lot about this and I know a lot of um, mental health care providers, especially catch a lot of shit for not accepting insurance a lot of the time or having like very minimal insurances they can take. But I recently, I did see uh, a TikToker who was a licensed therapist who was talking about, you know, her experience with getting, um, set up with one of these insurance companies to like accept them and like how difficult it was. And I never really, I personally, I never thought about that. You know, I didn't realize that on the back end that they were also making it a nightmare for people to offer, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like, Oh, right. But of course that, that tracks, I mean, insurance companies whole goal to take as much money in as they can and pay out as little as they can. So like, yep. why would they want to be <laughs> utilized in more ways? You know what I mean? Like, um, which I love that. It's the only job I think you can get away with trying actively to not do your job like that hard. Like that means that you're doing a good job, you know? Um, so that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, I guess not the only job. When but, I switched you know. <laughs> jobs, I asked my la- my therapist, like what insurance would be best for me to pick to continue seeing her because she, and she was like, this is the one that won't give me hell, won't limit our sessions and will actually pay me a decent rate. These are the ones that are going to make it a nightmare. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to go with that yep. one because they also have good <laughs> infectious disease care and blah, blah, blah. But like, that's sad that like, yeah. It's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I've had those exact conversations with clients of mine. <laughs> so the ethics and just like, I thought it'd be kind of interesting to start with like general ethics and healthcare field in general, not just like mental health. And mm-hmm. I can never say these words. So feel free to correct me. Benefiance. <laughs> Beneficence? Yes. Okay, cool. I think. <laughs> Let's go with non, that. Non-maleficence. Can't non- say it. Ma- okay. <laughs> Autonomy. We're keep pushing on. <laughs> Injustice. <laughs> so, beneficence and non-maleficence, right? We're talking yes. ethics. ethics. Thank cool. you for saying that i'm good with right. pronouncing words <laughs> and for i those, am not for for those who might be listening who don't know what are what are these two terms yes the the okay so the b one is doing good <laughs> Wait, bitch? The, the, <laughs> the bitch is doing good <laughs> that's facts that's facts 
Benefiance, doing good. Non Malfeasance. Yes, to do no harm. Yes. Okay. Okay. So we're just gonna call. We're gonna call it doing good and doing no harm. So we're not laughing about pronunciation. Okay. Cool. Autonomy, which is giving the patient the freedom to choose freely, and justice, ensuring fairness. So let's think about these terms as we talk and how. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I feel like those terms are at odds with like the insurance complex in general. It's like, oh, yeah, these, you're these already words, you're... These words should be married to socialism. They're like, you want us to do what? Like, no, this is you're you're barking up the wrong tree here. But let's let's continue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to start with this because like as a healthcare professional, I'm supposed to be like following these ethics. And I would argue it's really almost impossible to follow these ethics while also working with the health care insurance complex. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I'm coming in from this. Um, yeah. So any thoughts on that immediately from either of you before we kind of continue? I mean, yeah, I would say like as somebody who's, you know, worked in harm reduction for quite a long time, Um, the way that I see, uh, billable services versus grant funded non-billable service being able to be provided is like really, really sad to me. It's like when Mm. somebody can go into a harm reduction organization and get everything they need and there's not barriers and stuff like that. Right. But then the moment you want to link somebody to any kind of wraparound service or care that they need, such as medication assisted treatment, such as wound care you know, anything like that, or even, you know, getting in with a therapist, right? It's like, you can't just have a drop in counselor hanging out to meet people where they're at, because they have to have billable hours, right? And so it's, (laughs) and and that was a problem that, you know, we would try different ways of making it work. And people would get yanked for not having billable hours. And you know, it just doesn't work. And so it's like, how are you supposed to let people be autonomous and also, you know, justice. How is there any equality or fairness or equity in accessing services when the people that are most marginalized aren't going to be able to access them? Yeah. I've worked in a, I've worked in a couple of substance abuse treatment centers. Um, I did that work for two years and, you know, did a lot of recovery work outside of that on my own time. Um, And it's, it's a nightmare. <laughs> like, this is the experience I come from it with, you know, is, is just that, because I worked on both ends, like I worked at this luxury facility for a long time. And then on the flip side of that, I worked at like an all ages, like inner city facility. And just the quality of care that people get based on their income, their insurance, like that sort of thing. Like, it's insane. And like, with it's, What's interesting to me is you do see um, similar, I would say, levels of like, I guess you could call it recidivism, you know, like you you will see a lot of relapse across the board, regardless of class, race, that kind of thing. But it's like the way that it's sort of treated is a lot different because it's like if you have all this nice insurance or family that's in certain industries or just a lot of money like it's a red carpet kind well, of not treatment. Not only that, but you like, can access longer treatment. So if exactly, you're getting free yeah. treatment that's paid for by the state, you're lucky if you get 28 days when research shows that if somebody can be in a program for, you know, at least 90 days, but honestly, six months to a year, you know, in programs that graduate you down, like your chance at having any long-term recovery are like I don't know the exact number, but I know it's like more than doubled, tripled, quadrupled. You know what I mean? Like the longer. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah, yeah, and <clears throat> it's just wild. Like it's it's so wild to me. I I'd see you know, especially in the one place I worked that was in the city. Um, it was in like West Baltimore, and there were people that had been. It's all ages, so there are people that had started coming there when they were teenagers, and then were there, you know, in the young adult unit, and then in the older adult unit and stuff, like up through their thirties and forties and stuff. And it's just wild and i mean i would imagine a lot of it has to do with just coming from you know underserved areas and not having the best insurance like that's only going to give them like three weeks in this program at best you know what i mean and like who can do anything in that short amount of time like especially coming from like these sorts of backgrounds you know socioeconomically like it's it's super fucked up but yes And so I would, I did want to touch quick on like, so the Affordable Care Act is AKA Obamacare and mm-hmm. that has allowed for more access to healthcare for individuals of all backgrounds and classes and whatever. Um, however, it's still run by private healthcare companies. Mm-hmm. So like, if you're like, I've had so many clients get confused by that. They're like, wait, I'm on Medicaid, but I'm also a neighborhood, which is a plan in Rhode Island. And then, then I end up explaining to them like what, like the breakdown of it and the healthcare sh- companies have like banked on that. Like they've banked yeah. on the fact that they can now control that as well, which is really fucked up. Yeah. And then I also think- we have like separate eye and dental insurance. That's, like, that's the funniest thing. So yeah, my health, my teeth and my eyeballs have nothing to do with my health. So I have to carry nothing. all of those. And then on top of that, there's certain things just that just aren't covered past a certain age. Like yeah. orthodontics cannot be covered past the age of 21. Like yeah, well. that's just facts. <laughs> Wish I'd had known that before I was 21 because there were some things I really needed. overthought yeah Yeah. or like they only allow for like when i was on medicaid like when i turned 21 they would only allow new glasses like every three years instead of like every one year but my eyes were still changing but you know (laughs) but the thing is is, let's just call it what it is when you put a private company private sector like in the middle of the deal like that means they have to be sitting there pinching money off of it. And if they're not making money off of it, if the amount that you're paying to have coverage isn't somehow exceeding the benefit that you're getting out of it, they wouldn't be doing it. And so it's like, yeah. how can you say that it, it's, it's you know, meant to be helpful to people or to do good or any of that when in all reality, it's just another way to extract money from us for literally just needing to exist and like have functional bodies. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like one of the big tenets of like American capitalist culture is like, we need a solution, let's get it done as quickly and cheaply as possible. And rather than like, creating any kind of national like lasting infrastructure that can be like, you know, overseen properly, they're like, well, well, let's just count on the companies to do it. Like they're already big, they have all these systems in place, like, let's just rope them in and like, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, then we end up with shit like this. Like, I was actually hearing, um, oh, God, I don't want to miss say this. I want to say it was Bernie Sanders interviewing this one of the CEOs of Moderna because they're talking about quadrupling the price of the vaccine doses Um, because they're losing the government as their client. 
<laughs> which is crazy. They're like, we're not going to sell as much. So now we have to make it cost four times as much. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's just like the, <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yep. Imagine if back um, when I was slinging Tina, if I was like, hey, I don't have as many clients buying bags anymore, it's, so it's now $100 for a quarter. It's so, yeah, it's slow, so now, you know, I don't understand. I, it's the off season. Yeah. Yeah, none of it makes any sense. The other thing too is like one thing that I learned, especially in private practice, that there's like also multiple companies that like deal with the various parts of somebody's health insurance. So like Optum, I don't even really know exactly what they are, but they run mental and behavioral health for many health insurance companies. And Mm -hmm. so you have to go on this website to like look up your client's benefits. And I still don't have any clue really all the health insurance companies that they actually help or provide that aspect of it. And then Optum Pay handles the claims. And it's just like, I want to have like a chart of all this because it never makes sense. And it's very difficult to even explain it to people because it doesn't make any sense. Well, and then God forbid you're somebody who needs any kind of specialty care or is dealing with disability or like constant health problems where you have to get prior approvals and stuff like that. And you as a person who's already run ragged and trying to survive has to somehow manage to figure all of this out and get on the phone with people over and over and over again. And like, how is, how is that you know, it's helpful. like, a, such a, yeah, it's like its own skill set just to like navigate customer service tree, like phone trees and stuff like that. You yeah. know, like it's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. And like, I get why, like for, I have some friends who are also in private practice that end up just paying a billing person to do all this stuff because mm-hmm. like, it's so maddening. You don't get paid for it. Like, uh, yeah, I just don't want to pay somebody else to do that stuff because it's like expensive. So that's why I don't. Um, but one funny thing is I've gotten paid and paper debit cards for claims. So like I file a claim with a health insurance company, I get in the mail a paper debit card. You. <laughs> <laughs> they don't just so kind of like a transfer credits to you. <laughs> why would no. they not? Also, they could accomplish kind of the same thing with like a Visa gift card over email, right? Like the fact that they have to mail it to you. This but is no, what. But no, why are providers being paid in like stipends? Like, yeah. I'm sorry, also... like, why, I, like if we're, it's like back to my HIV testing days. Like, I'll give you a twenty dollars <laughs> gift card if you do an HIV test. It's like you're a literal therapist, though. Like, why are they paying <laughs> gift cards? That's yeah. Crazy. I didn't even actually... It. New theory, new theory. Health insurance companies are actually the phone scammers who trick old people <laughs> out of buying them a bunch of gift cards and then they pay you with gift cards. Yeah, that's... Like, yeah. We're willing to mail you a $500 Target Visa gift card. Oh, but $20 of it we didn't have, so we sent a $20 Walmart card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, the first time no. I got one, I was like, I, what is this? What Just do I Chuck do? Chuck do... tokens. <laughs> The more you pull this apart, the more this is like heroin dealer economics, right? <laughs> it's right? like, look, here's like a stack. Here's a stack yeah. of ones. Here's three twenties. You better here's run like that Walmart gift, card gift card and make sure it has something yeah. on it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Here's like several Subway coupons totaling $5. Like just the yeah. whole 
mess of things. Here's a TV remote. Like, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, it's... Oh, my God. And then for me to get those, like, electronically paid, it was a whole ass... Process. Ridiculous process that I can't See, even remember because I was, like, full of rage the whole time. <laughs> I was trying to figure it out. This is what I'm saying. Like, their, their whole job, right, <laughs> is to just come up with just really... Im- immaculate ways of which they don't have to give money to people or help people at all. It's yeah. it's kind of fascinating. Like yeah. it's like one of those it's like tower like joke. It's literally yeah. it's yes. like one of those tower defense games on mobile or something. Like you see that like shitty ads for. It's just like oh we can't let the claims get through. Like what do we do? You know, Try like yeah. this wire and see if the guy gets drowned in lava. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's like oh well if we like you know have a couple phone trees here and then. <laughs> Like, I don't know. It's it's just, like, it's so wild. And the fact that they make up all these, like, little, like, subsidiary companies and things. Yes. Like, handle different elements of it makes it that much more telling of, like, what it is, right? Well, like, it's like, well. I'm yes. experiencing a new form of that right now. So I started with a new job, like, six months ago. And I signed up for my insurance, you know, get my insurance, blah, blah, blah. Go to pick up my prescription <clears throat> from my typical pharmacy, right? Turns out I have separate prescription insurance than I do yeah. for my health insurance. Never had that before. So my prescription <laughs> yes. insurance now, the there was no other option. I'm stuck with CVS, whatever the hell it's called, right? Caremark. Caremark. Worst <laughs> crap I've ever dealt with in my life. So I switched my prescription over to CVS, which isn't across the street from my house and isn't open 24 hours. And then they call me again and they're like, ah, ah. You're living with HIV. Every single medication that treats that is considered specialty care. <laughs> you know what that means, asshole? You have to order it by phone every time and get it mailed oh to you. Oh. And I'm like, how come every other pharmacy what? in the state actually carries this? Because it's not some rare medicine or rare illness. Like, come and- on, I live in a very, like, we have an HIV outbreak right now. Like, don't tell me that this is a rare medication. And I'm right. saying you're like, I have to order it by phone and get it mailed to me. I was like, I don't trust it's going to get mailed to me properly because I've had friends who have not gotten their medications when they've been mailed to their house. So I have it getting yeah. mailed to a CVS down the like a mile away and I have to go pick it up. And then they told me it was free. So I was like, cool. They have my copay card from the manufacturer of the drug on file because it's they, they do that. The manufacturer of the drug's like, we're making billions of dollars a day off of people. So if you have a copay along with your insurance, we'll take our three grand from the insurance company. We'll waive the $50 fee that we're yeah. going to charge. Right? Mm-hmm. So I thought that was on file. I, I get home. I get a bill in the mail from CVS Caremark Specialty Pharmacy saying I owe them $60 for the medication. They didn't tell me when I was at yep. the pharmacy. They didn't tell me in advance. So I couldn't put the copay card on there. I paid it this time. I'm never paying it again. But I'm just sitting here like, why? Why is this so complicated? And I've spent a decade of my career navigating HIV linkage to care. Imagine if I didn't have the knowledge that I had, like regular, regular people trying to do it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like so glad that I have some of the knowledge that I have to deal with some of this. Because if I didn't, like I give friends or I give my kid like suggestions or like this is how you do it. I wouldn't have been able to do that without all of this shit and because of work, which is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. <clears throat> the other Christ. thing too, that like with insurance that I've noticed too, as somebody in private practice is like, 
like when I first started my private practice, somebody contacted me who had Harvard Pilgrim insurance. And I was like, what? Like, I don't know what that is. And they're like, you're on their website as, as oh. like a provider. <laughs> and I was like, I am. But apparently, because I was credentialed to take United, it means all these other insurance companies, no one tells you. You just like find out somehow. That's so stressful. <laughs> also, I'm sorry, they named themselves Harvard Pilgrim. They're like, let's take one really annoying, pretentious thing and one terrible thing and just name ourselves. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. You're like, like seriously. Well, we are going to rob everyone blind, so we're Harvard Pilgrim. It's like- it's like let's take a bad thing and a worse thing and put them together. Like, <laughs> goddamn. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I was. Awareness. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus and then Christ. like, at one point, I could finally take Etna, but I was getting paid in paper checks, and it took months for me to get the payments electronically. And I kept it was like through another company called like Health Source something or healthcare source or something like that but i only That's found so that generic. out because i was like googling yeah can i just say i'm really curious to see the like what like if someone put together a web of these companies yes. and like who owns what i'm really curious to see how much of a breakdown of it would be just one giant monopoly right because like at the end of the day that's what a lot of this is and i think that's why so many companies go out of their way to like mask who they are and like who runs things and and whatever and i'm just so curious to see i mean like you know, we're fast approaching, like having only like, what, two or four, maybe like major grocery providers in this country or something yeah. like that. Like, yeah. the fact like healthcare is definitely a lot more consolidated than that, probably way more than people realize, and especially like healthcare insurance, you know. Um, so what you're saying, though, about the person finding you on this other site, it's like some umbrella company to another, like, that's crazy. And the fact that they don't yeah. notify you makes it that much more suspicious to me, you know, because then yes. I think it leaves more of a trail. It's like, oh, I'm on this. What else? And it's like, wait, I'm on what? Well, like, and you know, I know uh, United is actively eating more companies. They like just buy up yep. companies and stuff. And I've had providers that have told me they're literally the worst to deal with for billing and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so like to be careful to figure out who's getting eaten up by united and i'm like oh that's good to know but don't sue us anyone by the way these are all just opinions <laughs> we're about to get taken down we're about to be living in the dirt you guys <laughs> take me to court i ain't got shit <laughs> just yeah. kidding i still want to accept insurance so yes yeah, we end up just like living in a bando, and we have like string, like making like a chart of which healthcare companies own what. We just have like our string chart, and everyone just thinks we've lost it. Wait, it's we're penniless, just in the bando. Oh my god! But we figured it out. No, we figured it out. Part two. At the center of the web is ruin. (laughs) Yep. Oh my god. Um, the other thing too is like thinking of like evidence based practices. So like what does that mean? Like mm. I've had to talk to health insurance companies and like how are you measuring this? Like how are you measuring their depression? And I'm like Oh, the PHQ. The PHQ too. Yep, that's how I'm doing it. Like how do you measure and that's like an assessment I give my clients around smile just so it shows that I'm like measuring their mood. Um, yeah. which I think is like a really weird thing to try to measure. Um, it 
It is. <laughs> I agree. I'm sitting here. I'm like, whoa, you just used the depre depresso meter to de determine. <laughs> but they will accept that as a measure. And then it helps me show them that I still need to provide my client care. Yeah. I always evidence-based. I always love uh, when assessment day comes around with the provider. Like there's nothing more exciting to me than you know, setting aside whatever is actually going on in my life to Get take grilled. like a, a 15 to 60 minute assessment so that I can continue care. Well, that's the other thing. Them. It's not just insurance yeah. companies that cause that. There's a lot of federal funding where they mm. require providers to offer these long questionnaires like Gipra to um, all of the like people who receive <laughs> addiction treatment and stuff like that. Right. And so if you're receiving this service and they're receiving these grant funds, they're required to ask you to take this really ridiculously long questionnaire. That's going to bring up a lot of stuff. And in bringing up that stuff, Dude. like the provider should be like, Hey, am I trauma informed? Am I able to actually offer something to help with all of these things I'm stirring up? You know, but yeah. they're required to do it to accept the funds and to provide the service. As as a patient consumer, let's just go both. Um, <laughs> I have my two worst sessions I've ever had with any therapist are always my first one. And then whatever, like halfway check in point session after a few months, like because of these assessments and it sucks. And I feel like there's no real provision for how to manage that better. You know, like there's no like, okay, today we're going to have like a two hour session instead of one hour or like, but you don't have to pay like, for an hour where I'm just exactly. getting this thing I need to measure my yeah. bill guy. <laughs> yeah. Like it's like I, or at least like to split it into two sessions. You know what I mean? To like, be like, look, I know we have to dig through everything, but like, can we, you know, we can process some of it or whatever. Like, I don't know. It's just weird. And I personally, and maybe, you know, this is more based in my own opinion, I guess, but I feel like if someone's at the point where they're seeking treatment in the first place, that's enough of a metric to be like, Hey, this person needs treatment because it's like, people aren't really, I know that there are some people that like to think people are out there just doing this kind of shit for attention and like whatever, but that's not the case. And like, truthfully, there's far more people that need help than there are people to help them. You know, like we have a shortage of helpers and and yeah. I will speak to this country, but like, you know, I would say by and large, most uh, major economies and countries like have a shortage of people that are willing and trained to like show up and, and do this kind of work. Versus the amount of people that are trying to get the help, you know, it's so rare that people are actually trying to exploit these systems the way that yeah. people believe that they are. Let you me know? jump through 17 hoops just to get here and then continuously show up be because I just yeah. think it's funny and I want to like, no, dude. Right. Yeah. Like, and <laughs> I'm sorry, so, Mr. Pilgrim should be sending a paper gift card <laughs> to everybody that they yeah. make fill out a questionnaire or do a yes. chart to like, you should get stipends for having to do that as a patient. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Like, yeah. Instead of getting billed for it. Yes. <laughs> it's like, hey, remember all that trauma you've experienced? Well, now give me $60. <laughs> <laughs> like on top of it. <laughs> yep. God. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking of like justice and doing like good or no harm. 
that even just like the terminology that they use, like healthcare insurance companies use like premium, like that makes it sound like really cool and positive and like good, but it's just like the amount that you're paying every month, like, (laughs) or like deductible. Like I still don't get this. Like I just don't get it. And I, this is supposedly my deductible, but I still have to pay stuff sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Like it doesn't make any sense. But then you have your max annual out of pocket, you guys. And like, that's like 15 million times your deductible. Yeah. I don't. And like your copay and co-insurance, like what? I barely understand those terms at all. Like I'm always texting like a therapist friend. I'm like, okay, like what's deductible again? Like, please re-explain it. Cause I don't get it. Yeah. Like, because it doesn't make sense to have, you know? Like, why does that exist? I feel like so much stuff with, like, (laughs) insurance and then with any type of, like, finance or anything is just so deliberately confusing Mm -hmm. that it's, like, and just, like, 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 saturated with jargon that everyone is just expected to know but never actually taught, really, at any point, you know? Like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I've had to help so many people in my life sign up for, because I've done work helping people do stuff like that before. I used to be a certified miniature navigator at one of my jobs, and so, like, I was helping people that were living with HIV get signed up for insurance if they fell into the donut of like not getting free state insurance or also not getting job insurance you know what I mean like mm-hmm. which is another thing can we just talk about like why is my health care tied to my employment this is peak capitalist nonsense yes. like oh you're a yeah. worker okay yep. well are you a level of worker where you have health insurance provided to you if not like you know, it's like either my jobs have provided me insurance when I've like made enough money to not get free insurance or my job's not paid me enough to yep. to, to where I still get free state insurance because they don't pay me. You know what I mean? And so it's just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's really really fucked. It's like we're we're time. only we're only going to help you if you're technically a wage slave. Yeah. Like and even then like only so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and if yeah, you're like me ridiculous. and you have to take medications to literally stay alive every day, like I need to take a pill every day to stay alive that in the United States isn't allowed to have generics. And so it costs about $3,600 a month for the medications that I need to take. And so that's for 30 pills. So, you know, it's about $120 a pill, $120 a day. $120 a day, not because it actually costs that much to make. Right. Not because the companies that make them actually spent a bunch of money on research that was all funded publicly, um, but because they want to make sure that they're making at least three grand a month off every single of the millions of people living with HIV in America. Can you imagine yeah. charging someone $120 a day for drugs that don't even get them high? Like, right? I just, the well, audacity. Also, it's just like you literally need this to live, but like they're yeah, allowed no, to no, charge no. whatever like, they want for it. Same with like insulin. Even... Insulin was intended to be free by the person who created it. And it was sold for a dollar under the pretense that it will always be free and available to the public. And now there's people that skip insulin so they can eat. Right. What are we it's so doing? Dark. It's so dark. <laughs> yeah, there was a time where I have asthma and there's a time I didn't have health insurance. When I moved to Minnesota, they had that three month wait where you couldn't, as an adult, have health insurance before you proved that you were a resident. Yep. So I couldn't breathe. So I was like drinking like energy monster drinks to like the, for the caffeine to open my lungs. Like, wow. because the inhalers are like $30 and I was poor as fuck. 
and I couldn't yeah, that's buy so one. That's so upsetting. That's so upsetting. <laughs> yeah, is that ridiculous? Monster like, would eat that up as SpawnCon, though. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> can we get a Monster just, Energy sponsorship? Yeah, on this? just that see would, that on. That would go yeah, really well with my brand just, already. Just see that on. If you drop that on as a TikTok, that would go fucking viral as fuck. <laughs> Just Monster of, saved my life. A bunch of broke zillennials just like, motherfucker. <laughs> another, so another facet I find that this uh, conversation kind of extends into is um, medical technology manufacturing and things like that um because you brought up the inhalers and that kind of made me think like you know so part of my uh set of disabilities and ailments is like vision related stuff and i have to get like very specialty like contact lenses and glasses and things like that and this last time i went to get my contact prescription refilled i do it like once or twice a year depending on like what i can afford at the time um and the last time I went, I found out that the brand that makes my contacts is no longer a brand anymore. Um, <laughs> so I'm not really, I've been waiting. I realized that it's actually been a solid month now that I've been waiting to hear back from my doctor to have found a replacement. I have like a few pair of lenses to get me through the next few months, but I don't really know what to do after that. And what that says to me, because I really sat and thought this through and I was like, wow, like, you know, like I have terrible eyesight. So like, I know this was, I didn't really think of this as being a possibility, but it's just like literally so few people are giving them money for this product that they're going to just discontinue it, even though there's definitely still people that need it, like besides just me, you know? And it's like, at what point does it become, does like a company's bottom line become more important than the people that need the product or service that they're making, you know? And this is kind of like a a shortcoming of like leaving this stuff in the hands of for-profit corporations, right? That's capitalism, baby. Yeah. (laughs) So hoping to find something else, uh, currently fucked. (laughs) Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's, um, it's interesting. I never really thought of this particular like nuance of this topic, you know, and, and until it started affecting me. Um, and I wonder like in what other ways does this apply to people, you know, like, and what, with what other medical technologies and things like that? I mean, like, could this apply to pacemakers? Could this apply to birth control? Like things that like really, really affect people's bodies. And I mean, cause this, for me, like, I have a workaround, I can wear glasses, like, whatever, like, it would suck. But like, I, you know, it's not the end of the world for me. But I'm just a mad, I just started thinking, like, man, if this was something way more, you know, significant, or like, more, uh, like, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, and that just speaks to the bottom line of what a health insurance company or a medical manufacturer's bottom line, like, really is. And it's that, the wellness of our bodies only matter as far as they are profitable to the industry. And that's that. And that's capitalism baby as many times as I can say it, because while, while we're living under a system where, you know, profit drives everything, like our bodies don't matter to them and our lives don't matter to them. And the wellness of people, you know, it doesn't matter if there's no bottom line. Yeah. And that goes back to those four ethics that we mentioned at the beginning. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting too that it can like cut both ways right because it's like this is like sort of just being in this 
I don't know, perhaps like minority of some sort where it's like, we can't make enough money off these people. So like, let that go. But then like, you look at something like um, the mass, like national Adderall shortage. Yeah. It's like everyone on this one boat is all fucked now because like there's a sh- shortage of like all the materials for like these medications and stuff. So it's like, whether no matter where you are, like you are negatively impacted by this. And yet collectively, we all seem to continue to just feed into it and allow this thing to, you know, be so pervasive in our society. And, and then why. sidebar that. The conspiracy theories on TikTok that the new Adderall's not actually real Adderall, and that they're <laughs> so the theory is a There's lot of people lot. that have been getting their Adderall filled are like this doesn't actually work like it used to, yeah. and yeah. so like yeah, so like some you know news whatever sources are like these people are batshit and they're making it up where's their proof and i'm like where's your proof that we can trust a pharmaceuticals company to not just put whatever in there and be like let's just tell them it works yep. <laughs> also yep. it's such an easy thing to get away with because it takes like so long for them to do like batch testing and to like go back and confirm these things and in most cases it's near impossible because it's like most of the product has already like made it through production and out into the hands of people and has been you know like taken or whatever or at a point where it could be like messed with so it's like they can't be held responsible for it it's crazy like it's so crazy yeah <sighs> once again don't sue us it's a conspiracy theory <laughs> these are just i jokes. heard it on the tiktok <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep the tiktok um so i thought i know we've been kind of doing this but i wanted to just do some like lived experiences stuff um so I did want to share this one. So when I was living in North Dakota, I went to eating disorder treatment. There's a clinic in Fargo. Um, I was living like an hour away. So I was going there like once or twice a week um, for treatment. And I was on North Dakota Medicaid and I was going through an evidence-based treatment program, but I was diagnosed with eating disorder, not otherwise specified because I didn't meet full criteria for anorexia or bulimia. And North Dakota Medicaid doesn't cover the nutrition dietitian part if you're diagnosed with not otherwise specified. So I had to pay out of pocket as a poor person on Medicaid to see my dietitian. And that was like a life-saving treatment for me. And I was in grad school and I was a single mom (laughs) and I had to pay and I was paying that like $10 a month for many months. And I was paying it when I moved to Rhode Island still. <laughs> and That's... they shortened my time with the dietitian because they're like, well, we usually meet for an hour, but because you have to pay out of pocket, we'll shorten it to a half hour. Like. What? So I get less <laughs> care because I can't afford the more. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, I mean, yeah. I get why they thought they were doing you a favor, but it's also just like, I. that's like one of my worst worst personal (laughs) yeah and it was the most deadly diagnosed eating disorder at the time like and the most diagnosed one too like what jesus christ (laughs) but you didn't perfectly fit into one pocket instead you fit into multiple but just not perfectly so like you don't need you don't need complete (laughs) care right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because some bureaucrat who knows nothing about these conditions says so. 
Right. Yeah. So that's how that works. Yeah. Dealing with gender stuff. So dealing with medically transitioning, that's stuff I'm having to navigate. Luckily I have good providers Mm. where like when I first, you know, started hormones and stuff like that, my doctor was just like, here's the options that I have. So you can get this stuff covered to say you're diagnosed with, which one do you want me to put? You know what I mean? Like, so I guess, you know, I guess I have gender dysphoria, you know, I'm I'm like, I don't, that stuff doesn't need to be pathologized, but (laughs) it does. It does. Or I'm going to have to come out of pocket to get these bad boys taken off. And I just can't do that. Yep. It sucks that like I so I actually it's funny you mentioned that so I found my chart like online kind of randomly on like my whatever healthcare provider website and like I was looking at it and I never had an explicit diagnosis from my gender provider about having any dysphoria you know like yes I've talked to her about it and whatever but it was just like written on there as like a disorder or something. And I was like, what the fuck? And at first I got like really offended. And then I was like, well, I guess you have to write something to like do this or whatever. But it was just honestly kind of odd to me that we didn't have like a conversation about it first, I guess. Yeah. Especially since a lot of the time it's, it's okay. I used to deal with medical charts at one of my jobs. It's listed as a problem list. So one of the tabs you go to, it says problem list. And you click on that and it tells you all of the things the person deals with. And for one, I have problems with being called a problem list, a problem list. But why is my gender stuff on a problem list? It's a problem that I need to solve. Right, right. Yeah. Yep. That's one thing too that I've had like with clients who are considering like their own gender identity stuff I always ask them about that diagnosis whether they want it on their chart or not because like it can lead to like obviously helpful things to get insurance to pay for shit but then it can also lead to all this other fucking bullshit so as a side to other providers listening please have a conversation with your clients about diagnoses that they want or don't want on their charts yeah, or explain why you have to do it. Like, hey, if you yep. want this care or you want this surgery or you want these hormones covered, I have to put something here. These are the yep. options, what I can put. Which one fits you best? Like, what may, what yep. feel, you know? Because otherwise, if they just look and see it on their problem list, it might feel yeah, a little jarring. Feel, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's very <Yep>. weird. <laughs> yep, totally, totally agreed. Yeah, I switched. I still have insurance in Rhode Island, even though I'm like living in New York, because in New York, it's like $1,000 a month to have insurance, um, which is beyond anything I can even wrap my head around. (laughs) Yeah, I pay like 400 in Rhode Island, which is still a lot of money. Um, Most people I I know don't have insurance because, yeah, it's... Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, I get a preventative migraine med that's been like life changing for me. And with when I switched insurance in January is $1,500 a month. And I was like losing my mind. (laughs) And so I I was able to switch back to my other plan. And now it's $35 a month. What? (laughs) I've never even paid $1,500 for rent. Yeah. Yeah, The landlords aren't even extracting that much. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. If the and landlords, it's like... <laughs> sorry, just if the landlords are doing like a a, a better job at like being a piece of like I don't even know how, like like what? like why do you have insurance at that point? What's the oh my yeah. god? 
That's like if that I was getting. Insane. That's like if I was still getting charged like two thousand dollars for my antiretrovirals, like sixty yeah. bucks. I'm like, yeah, that sucks. I still want the copay card, but like, what? Why are you even yeah. paying the premium at that point? It's exactly. like, can I live? Can I live inside of it? Like, what the fuck? Right? Like, <laughs> it just always baffles my mind what ends up costing what, and how it's different from plan to plan, yes. even from the same insurance provider. And how are you ever supposed to actually be able to look that stuff up? I'm sorry, those lookups don't actually work. <laughs> no. Like, and if you try to talk to somebody at your clinic, they don't know. You essentially have to go to get care from somebody who really knows how to navigate the insurance system, like especially if it's like a surgery or something. You know what I mean? Like otherwise, yeah. Good luck. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, and that's the other thing too, is a provider too, I get paid different rates by different insurances, even though I'm doing the same thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't well, get that. That's also, like, the- Yeah. Being an insured person, I'm supposed to have like, you know, a certain set copay or whatever. And I've already met my deductible yet. I went to uh, a gender doctor just to get a referral, not even for care from her, but a referral to a surgeon. I got charged like 260, 260 for that visit. But then I saw a physical therapist that I wasn't even referred to or anything. And I was getting billed $35 a session in the same uh, clinic <laughs> with the same insurance in the same month. Why? Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. It's insane. Yeah. I'm sure <clears throat> we could. I mean, well, I'm sure we all have like multiple, multiple um examples of how insurance has really like fucked us let's invite every yeah. american on the show I, and, like, <laughs> and they will like, compile all it's, of like, them. it's like a public an anthology <laughs> yeah i yeah i um i've been pretty fortunate with gender care um i do live in maryland which i will say has a pretty you know pretty good head on its shoulders with that stuff um but i did have trouble years ago with doing inpatient care um, since it was my first rodeo, <laughs> as we all say, and uh, I was kicked out because I was doing too good in my program, according to their measurement <laughs> metrics, which was wild to me, for one, because it was like, well, I mean, isn't that shouldn't I continue care if I'm doing good? But also, <laughs> it was bizarre. Like, that's when I first learned about, like, oh, well, if you relapse or something like that, like, we'll put you back in treatment longer. And that's how they do things because it's like, seems like you need it more, right? Which is fucking insane to me. But, like, mm-hmm. uh, but also it was just kind of like, I don't know. It just, it really blew my mind that they were willing to just like pull the rug out because it wasn't like, kind of a pre like you know what I mean like predetermined amount of like we'll cover that like it was like really touch and go for like a couple weeks and then one day they they were like all right you kind of have to leave in like the next two days kind of thing you know I've seen that happen Um, too many times to people in inpatient treatment yeah like it's really uh it's so fucked up (laughs) it's It's like everything's already so unstable for you you're going through post-acute withdrawal syndrome if you're not still just in straight up withdrawals right like you're just getting your bearings like you have no but now you know what go back out there i know i know you were you had precarious living arrangements and people places and things but you know what you have to leave in 24 hours because yeah. you needed to prove you were still doing bad enough, but improving, but like you accidentally improved too much. So now you, yeah. you got to get out. It like just straight up feels like a punishment, you know, like, it, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's so yeah. crazy. It's so crazy. <laughs> at my, 
<clears throat> last agency job, I did a higher level of care. It was in-home therapy with like families. So it was like kids coming out of inpatient or partial programs. Um, and then trend, they had like a certain amount of time of transitioning to like outpatient care. And I had this kid with anorexia and he was like pretty close to like dying. And they gave me like four weeks to work with him. And I had to say to the insurance rep, I was like, he's like, he could die. Like you, you do realize that. Right. And like four weeks was like, I was like the first one at the agency to get four weeks from that particular insurance company. Everyone would only get like two weeks. Jesus so everyone was like, what did you Christ. say to get four weeks? And I was like, I told them that he was going to fucking die. Like, I don't know what else to say. The fact that I even have to say that, yeah. that I'm like that's begging insane. this company for care. And to only get a month, like not even, like that's insane. That is absolutely not insane. Not like, you know what? Keep him as <laughs> yes. long as you need to and until you have something supportive after. Like, wouldn't that make sense if you're actually trying to help somebody? Yes. Maybe, you know. But but then also it's like, though, we need the beds, which is like the other problem in these yeah. fields, you know? Because like you were saying, like, there's not enough people which in it, these fields, but that's because you don't make enough money to work in these fields and the schooling for these fields. You, you got to somehow do practicums that are unpaid and stuff, too. Yeah, it's wild. There's... um also like so many of the nicer places that charge like an arm and a leg to go to like we'll have empty beds for months at a time like we'll just operate with like like i've worked at places that only saw like 10 to 13 clients at once and they'd have like you know two months where they'd only have like four or five clients at a time kind of thing you know what i mean and it's like, it's not that there's any shortage of people, people in need. need. <laughs> <laughs> like, which to me says more about, you know, these as private places, but it's like, why not just offer these beds to people as like a service when you, cause it's not like you're not going to make your money back at some point off. Of, you know what I mean? Like if anything, it would work better in the favor of the program to be like, Hey, look, we can, but no, no that's free. Why so, would the oh, richies, I'm sorry. I'll why shut would, up. I'll shut up. Why would the richies <laughs> still pay? the high price to put their yeah. son there their son <laughs> who was taking pills why would they pay the high price to put their son there if he's in there with people that you know were living on the street or you yeah. know what i mean people that were unhoused people that were dealing drugs people that have had a harder hand at life or have lost everything and don't have familial wealth or generational wealth why would they still pay thirty thousand dollars to put their son there if some other guy's getting it for free yeah <laughs> it's the same argument against like free college right it's like well i had yeah yeah, yeah yeah god so i thought we could spend the last few minutes like just talking about like different things that we can try to do either as like navigating it or as a provider or whatever i always hmm. go back to like abolishing it but like yeah i don't know how to do that really <laughs> <laughs> um one thing i do think as a healthcare provider is that we should all take medicaid and medicare um there's been plenty of people who like my daughter for example had to switch a really awesome med provider that she had to somebody else because she switched to medicaid and the med provider didn't take medicaid anymore like how is that an ethical thing you know what i mean like i don't get that <laughs> yeah because you get paid less 
I definitely think there needs to be more of a push for, um, yeah, for flexibility with nationalized healthcare and yeah. things like that. Like we need, it's just, it's like way past time. And like, we just also need better quality of care with these things, you know, like, and consistency in that quality, like across the board, like if you yeah. move from one town or like one state to another, like the quality of your care should not dip yeah. just because of like, where you live and maybe that's a difficult goal to meet but i you know we have the fucking technology like <laughs> let's do it like we can't keep considering ourselves you know one of the greatest nations in the world if we can't even like i don't know i've heard in recent years that like the life expectancy in the u.s has dipped um like yeah. into yep. the 70s um yep. <laughs> yeah. so you know very telling um but it's too long if you ask me. Uh, <laughs> Man, I just would kidding. live forever if I could. I don't want to die. I just want to kill capitalism. So, I mean, honestly, like, we, we need to get rid of the idea that your health care is tied to your employment or tied to marriage. Um, yeah. It's actual nonsense that, like, my partner can't have health insurance that she can afford until we get married. And then still, it's going to cost something, but it's going to be the most affordable way to make it happen. But, like, what if you don't want to get married or you don't have a partner? Sorry, you can't, you know, like tying yep. things like that to employment and marriage are absolute rubbish. It needs to just be nationalized. Mm -hmm. That's just it. People shouldn't be making profit off of people being sick or needing yeah. to be well. Like that's basic facts. But what can we do as community members? We can help people we love navigate systems if we're yep. good on the phone or know how to talk to people and pretend to be them on the phone and help, you know, do, do what you can there. <laughs> um, if you have inhalers or hormones or whatever or things you're not going to use you know maybe maybe that's something you can you know share don't sue me but you know like yeah. <laughs> you know help yep. your friends get the things they need um just yeah learn learn how learn basic first aid learn you know different ways to take care of your community um carry narcan so people can have you know stay alive um just basic healthcare stuff but yeah what can we do yeah yep. <laughs> Yeah, like um, having extra meds, I think. If you have extra meds, I think that's really awesome on the DL thing. On the yeah. DL, we didn't say it here, but you yep. heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the proper legal term is pill recycling. So if you want to recycle, <laughs> if you want to recycle your medication, but don't have the uh, ability to make it to a pharmacy, just let a friend do it for you. And trust that that will happen. <laughs> trust it'll happen. Trust they're going to get it in that med recycling bin. I mean, yep. especially, you know, I've had friends that were on the same antiretrovirals as me back when they used to have to get their medications mailed to their house and they wouldn't show up in time because there was no one there to receive the package because they were working a job. And I would have to borrow them pills. Why is somebody having to borrow antiretrovirals? I don't know. But if you have insulin or you have, you know, yep. take care of people. Take care of the people you love. Yeah. Yeah, Clearly, we're the only ones interested in taking care of each other. <laughs> right. And as a provider, like, rethink sliding skills. Like, I'm sorry, like, who the fuck can afford $100? Mm. I can't afford a $100 therapy session, and I'm a therapist. So, like, let's <laughs> think of that. Like, my sliding skills, like, zero to we'll figure it out. Like, yeah, I can't believe that people have sliding skills and the lowest is $100. Like, that's totally mind-blowing to me. <laughs> um yeah any last thoughts either of you 
Um, capitalism sucks. <laughs> Suck a fat one, Cappy. Yeah, That's mine. suck it. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, real, real shit though. Uh, thank you for your insight. It's really great to get some perspective from, I guess you could say, behind the paywall, <laughs> uh, as it were. Wait, was this an know. OnlyFans episode? I'm just kidding. I... <laughs> from behind the paywall, a Netflix special. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. No, I, I really, uh, I really do appreciate that because, you know, it, um, it is, I think it's important to see, to see both sides of it. Um, I don't think people should be villainizing care providers, um, the way that I feel is done often, you know, like, I think that if people understood more of the intricacies of it, we, we could, uh, target all of this rage very appropriately towards the insurance companies, towards you know the systems like the healthcare systems like um towards national legislature that allows for this lack of regulations like there's all sorts of ways that we can kind of target this energy so i guess my my uh piece of you know takeaway advice for this uh would be if you are sick of it find ways to get involved to get it changed you know um there's laws we can push for to be made. There's people we can harass via email, phone, doorstep, poop bag bombings. Like we can, <laughs> we can cool. really do the, we can really do the work here. Uh, and, and just make sure that, you know, we're heard. Um, do your part, can't... shit in a bag, light it on exactly. fire. Exactly. Leave for it on freedom. a doorstep. <laughs> me. It's just a joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a parody artist, uh, <laughs> but I mean, there, there's a, there's a lot of steps we could take to, to help things improve for sure. Um, but it, it just starts with, starts with you, you know? So <laughs> See, but that's also just like, man, people are tired enough I know. and already fighting to get their medication. No, for real. <laughs> I know it's daunting. Like, believe me, like for sure. So if it's out of your, what, like, fine, I get it. But you know, <laughs> it's a lot easier to, to not do stuff than to do stuff. But you're if so you don't want to do shit. You're so much more of an optimist than I ever expected you to turn out to be. Mean like, you're, yeah, you always have like a positive takeaway or like, this is something we can do to help. And I'm just like, man, we're stuck in this awful system. Uh, but most of my If it ever ends, are... it's going to be dark death times for many, many years to come. Like Most of my takeaways involve some form of light to medium arson. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> which it's positive it was only a poop but... bag here so like that was improvement only... for what we should be saying on air <laughs> exactly so look at me i'm growing, growing. Um... <laughs> like a beautiful it's... flower it's the growth for me <laughs> god damn it she is still right. unstability as fuck <laughs> <laughs> um well. anyway this has been a great episode. I guess we could close it there. Um, yeah. Heather, thank you so much for picking this topic and pulling together all of this research for us and yeah. for sharing all of your uh, experience, strength, and hope. Uh <laughs> Shout out 12 Step. <laughs>